Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. 3-1 pitch, swing and a drive. Deep to right field, way up there, way out of here. Goodbye, baseball. Eight strikeouts for the King tonight and make it... 23 consecutive scoreless innings for Phoenix. Strike three called on the outside corner, and there it is. It's time for the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Kyle Seager, that just happened. Thank you. Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. It is time once again for the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Welcome back. Uh, We talked about how big of a series this was on the podcast yesterday. The Mariners right there in contention for a wild card, trying to track down the Texas Rangers in the division. And they win game one of the series against the Tigers in very impressive fashion. We have all the highlights, all the reaction coming your way in just a couple of minutes. Also, a couple of really fun conversations coming up as well. We're going to sit down and talk with the president of the Baseball Hall of Fame. Jeff Idelson was in town, and we're going to chat with him for a few minutes. It's a conversation I think you will really enjoy. Also coming up, Aaron Goldsmith, a very unique perspective. He sat down with umpire Jim Joyce, and they talk a lot about Ken Griffey Jr. So that comes up as well. So a couple of very fun conversations. But before we get to the highlights Let's just look at the standings for a moment. Let's just take a moment to look at the standings heading into game two of the series tonight because things are very interesting in the American League. You've got Baltimore on top of the East, Toronto tied with them. So Baltimore and Toronto on top in the East, Cleveland ahead in the Central, and Texas winning in the West. Texas, by the way, came from behind Last night, they were trailing to Colorado going in the bo- uh, going to the top of the ninth, and they end up winning in Colorado. So they won three in a row. Texas, 66 and 47 now. You look at the wild card, Baltimore and Toronto tied in the east, also tied for the first wild card as well. And here's where things really get interesting. You have Boston and Detroit now in a tie for the second wild card. They've both lost two games in a row, and brushing up on both of them, The Mariners now, winners of four in a row, two and a half games back of both the Red Sox and the Tigers. And the Mariners have two more with the Tigers tonight and coming up tomorrow at Safeco Field. Houston lost again last night. They've lost three in a row. The Mariners now one and a half up on the Astros. And we talked about it yesterday on the podcast. The Tigers coming in. 
They've been the best team in the American League since the All-Star break. Their offense has been red hot, and the Mariners facing, well, I think, the front runner for the rookie of the year in the American League. This was not an easy task last night for the Mariners, but Hasashi Iwakuma was sensational. Next off on the way, strike three called Upton is caught looking. Looked like a breaking ball from Iwakuma. Two strikeouts for Hisashi Wakuma. He strikes out Justin Upton leading off the top of the second. He ends up going seven scoreless. A look in at the 2-2. Swing and a miss. He comes in and buries a heater on Saltalamakia's wrist. And with that, Iwakuma has spun seven scoreless. He's fanned eight Tigers hitters. And over Iwakuma's last three starts here inside Safeco Field, 21 and a third consecutive scoreless innings for Hisashi Iwakuma. That's a long time. The Mariners broke through in the second against Fulmer. The 2-2 to Seager swinging a ground ball up the middle into center field for a base hit. Cruz running third being waved in by Manny Acta. Up of the ball, Collins. No throw to the plate. He'll toss it into second. Kyle Seager with an RBI single up the middle and a center scoring Nelson Cruz. And the Mariners have taken a 1-0 lead. The 102 Zanino swinging a line drive, base hit down the left field line. Seager running third, waved in by Acta. Up with the ball is Upton. The throw in is going to be cut off by Iglesias. Around the third goes Martin. Mike Zanino with an RBI single, scoring Seager, and it's now the Mariners two and the Tigers nothing, also here in the second. So seven scoreless. Mariners up 2 nothing. They go to the eighth, and then the Mariners hand it over to the newest M. With the coolest name and a big, big arm, Archimedes Caminero. And he went 1-2-3 in the eighth inning. The set by Caminero and the 1-2 pitch. Fastball swinging a fly ball in the left center field on the run. Norioki, he's there and makes the catch. And that will retire the side. Welcome to the Mariners, Archimedes Caminero. He takes care of the Tigers. 1-2-3 here in the top of the eighth. Throwing a fastball at 101. How about that? He's got a huge arm. He can bring it triple digits. The Mariners now have two guys in the pen that can go triple digits. He's had a really nice run for the Pirates. He struggled to start the year, but he's really been locked in. This could be a big, big get for the Mariners down the stretch. You know, it's, it's amazing when you look at what the Mariners have done with his pitching staff, trying to piece it together through injuries. Caminero, the 28th pitcher the Mariners have used this year that ties with the most they have ever used in a season they used 28 last year in 2015 also in 1999 they used 28 so that looks like it'll probably be broken before this season's all said and done but all of a sudden you look at the bullpen with Caminero and you saw his stuff last night he's got wicked stuff his last 15 games with Pittsburgh 17 and a third innings, 15 strikeouts, only three walks, and an ERA of 2.08. Opponents betting 213 against him. So you combine Caminero with the emergence of Edwin Diaz, who's been nothing short of sensational. You look at Tom Wilhelmsen, and what's amazing about Tom, he's actually given up more runs against the Mariners this year. Then he has given up pitching for the Mariners this year. He gave up five earned runs against the Mariners in his very first appearance as a Texas Ranger. Since he joined the M's, he's only given up three earned runs total.
I mean, well, Helmsen's been great. He's only allowed one inherited runner to score. He's retired 13 of 14. I mean, it's pretty amazing what he has done. Retired 13 of 14 inherited runners. An ERA just a touch over two in his time with the Mariners. You look at Drew Storen. He's had some massive years as a closer in baseball. That first appearance as a Mariner where he gave up four in an inning and a third. He's got his next four outings scoreless. So it's really interesting when you look at how this bullpen shapes up. Nick Vincent is back as well. He was tremendously effective, especially against righties. So this is really interesting how things are shaking out with the bullpen. And, of course, there's Edwin Diaz, who came on to close down his fifth save. Diaz fires away. Swing and a ground ball is short. Freeman up with the ball. The throw to first in time, and the Mariners shut out the Detroit Tigers. Three to nothing here at Safeco Field. They win the opening game of the three-game series. The Mariners have now won four in a row. They gain ground on the Tigers in the wild card. Holy smokes, what a performance by Hisashi Wakuma. Edwin Diaz with save number five. There it is. Mariners get the win. They take game one of the series 3-0. The Tigers scoring at will seemingly completely shut down. Cabrera, one hit. Victor Martinez, one hit. J.D. Martinez, hitless in the ball game. That has been a middle of the order that so many teams have had such a difficult time dealing with. But Iwakuma, seven scoreless, five hits, one walk, and eight strikeouts. Here's what the catcher Mike Zanino had to say about it. I mean, it's great. I mean, the, the guys are playing great baseball. We're excited. We're having fun with one another. And I mean, it's, it's good to always be there and, and be in ball games. And it always gives us a chance to be, uh, be in it. And we don't give up. And it's, it's nice to get a run like this. What did you see from Kevin Arrow the first time? Great. It was a lot better catching him than it was hitting against him in, uh, in Pittsburgh. But uh, he's got great stuff. I mean, the fastball in the upper 90s, his cutter is 94, 95, had a great split. Um, it's one of those things where I think as long as he attacks hitters and stays ahead of guys, he's going to play, and it's another great arm we have. Now, the skipper's obviously Kuma. There's 21 and a third innings at home, scoreless streak mm -hmm. for him right now. He's on a roll, and the skipper said he wasn't quite as sharp as the last time out. No, he, he really wasn't. He, he was more effectively wild than he than he usually is, but I thought he really settled in in the last maybe two or three innings, and his command came back to him. But, I mean, sometimes it's better against a good hitting team like this to, to work a little bit and have a little bit more life in the zone. I thought he threw the ball really well. Something to watch. Mike Zanino, we've talked about how good he is defensively. When he's caught this year, the staff has an ERA of 3.19. I just think it's interesting as we head down the stretch with Mike Zanino behind the plate. We've talked about how good he is framing pitches, how comfortable the staff is with him as well as he gets more and more playing time behind home plate. Ends up with a single to drive in a run as well in this ball game. So he does it on both sides. Very impressive stuff. Here's Scott's service after the game. Yeah, we found some power, didn't we? Now, um, outstanding pitching tonight by, you know, starting with Kuma and continues to, to he's on a roll. You know, he, he really is uh, maybe not quite as sharp as he was last time out, but um, really good at executing the game plan again uh, against a very good team and and a uh, ton of credit to, to him. And, you know, getting through that seventh inning is huge, kind of where our bullpen's right now. And, you know, gave uh, Camonero uh, a chance to get in there. Uh, you know, why not? 
you know, we acquired him. Our people identify as a guy who could certainly help. So, you know, give him the opportunity and certainly liked what I saw. You know, uh, power arm and then, you know, Diaz to finish it off. So, um, we're getting other options, getting more options down there and getting guys in a good spot where they're comfortable and, and they feel good about contributing. Mentioned you were coming not as sharp as last time, but it's five hits, yeah, no it's, runs, and seven I say that. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's it's crazy. I even say that, but uh, you know, again, just eyeballing it, seeing him yeah. throughout the year and, and where he's been at, and and how he executed, and, and where he was at tonight. I thought last time I maybe a tick better fastball, but that that was it. I mean, it's he's in a really good spot, in a good role. He feels, you know, when he gets off a little bit for mechanically for a few pitches, and he's able to correct it and get right back on. So. Um, a testament that you don't have to throw 93-95 to, to get him out in this league if, if you execute and, and make pitches. A couple big hits there in the second inning. To yeah, you know, Cruz swung the bat really good tonight. You know, obviously scored up a couple balls. Uh, Seager, uh, Zanino, and then nice to get the add-on run late. Um, you know, we haven't done that often this year, but two out double by Oki, and then uh, Heredia chips in again. So, uh, you know, contributions from, from everybody who didn't kill the ball offensively. Their pitcher's good. You know, Fulmer's got good stuff. He, he's got a good slider, and, and he pitched our lefties tough tonight. Yeah, Ben said to get him some work, or you don't Yeah, you know, if, if Robbie knocks him out of the park there, we get up by four or five runs. Um, you know, run Nick, Nick will get in there. He's going to get plenty of work. Believe me, he's had plenty of work before. <laughs> That's why he ended up on the DL. But, uh, you know, just an opportunity. If we did pop one out of the park there, we, he probably would have gotten the game. Hey, he's been a different guy since he came back. Huh? Very much so. Um, I think just uh, his aggressiveness is at bats. Um, you know, he's made a couple mechanical changes offensively, you know, with his swing that has really helped him. Uh, you know, and he got pitched tough tonight, you know, and threw him some tough sliders down and in. But uh, like where he's at, and he's got a different mindset um, than, than when he left here. Martin, okay? He TV showed he kind of grimaced a little bit. Yeah, he had a little uh, something, neck tweaked his neck or something. You know, we'll, Rick will take a look at it tonight and see where we're at tomorrow. But he, he should be fine. There it is. That's the skipper talking about another impressive win. The pitching staff was brilliant. How about we hear from the newest Mariner? Down here with the newest Mariner, Archimedes Camonero. And first of all, it was neat to see you come into the game, but also stay and watch the end of it. Why were you out there at the end? Uh, no, because I want to see, I mean, we were in a situation that we were winning. I want to see the team winning. Uh, and I'm, yeah, I, I mean, I have to work, but I'm going to work inside later. Like, I could, it could wait. You're part of a combined uh, shutout in your very first outing. What was it like to come in after what Hisashi Wakuma did out there? Yeah, it's always exciting to come here, especially they brought me here uh, with the expectation. I'm, I'm here to help the team as, as much as I can, and it's always exciting to see your team throwing a shutout. <laughs> and be a part of that. Hey, you just got here today. You got a catcher behind the plate. Had you had any opportunity to talk to your catcher beforehand? Yes, yes, yes. We talked we talk during, during the practice, I mean, before. And when he went out there, he was like, whatever you want, whatever you want, you just got to throw and be confident and just go with it. What did you tell him about what you throw in yourself? Uh, nothing. I, I say I feel, I mean, I tell you got, you got, you got it. I mean, you, like, whatever you want, I'm, go, I'm just going to, I'm just going to be confident on you because he's been here. He's been on this side of the league. Uh, I, I just got confident on him. Put your hand, yourself in your hands of your catcher, right? Yes, yes. Hey, we heard 98. We heard about 99. We saw 100 and 101 today. A little bit extra today? 
Uh, no, I, I've been throwing that since the beginning, but uh, I feel pretty good. So just I'm just gonna give my best every time that I go that I go out there. Congratulations, your first game as a Mariner, a pretty good one. Thank you. I would say so. That is uh, pretty good right there. Mariners have some weapons at the back end of the bullpen, no doubt about that. And what a nice win for the M's. And now a chance to crawl even closer after taking game one of the three-game series against the Tigers. These teams will go at it once again tomorrow. It's going to be an interesting ball game. 7-10 first pitch from Safeco Field. Mariners taking the Tigers, uh, taking on the Tigers in game two. Wade LeBlanc will go to the mound. He has been just an ace killer since joining the Mariners. What he's beaten Chris Sale, he's beaten David Price, he's beaten Carlos Martinez. Uh, by beaten, I mean he's been able to keep the Mariners around in ball games, and they've come from behind late and they've won ball games. But he's been really efficient. Uh, really starting with his first outing against the Cardinals, who went six scoreless in that ball game. Last time against Boston, I thought it was a really nice effort. Six innings, three earned runs. I think you take that every single time against a powerful offense like the Boston Red Sox. So Wade LeBlanc will get the call for the Mariners in game two of the series. Going for the Tigers will be Daniel Norris, returning to the rotation after a month in AAA. Jordan Zimmerman went on the DL. And the Mariners seem to be catching the Tigers at a pretty good time because you look at some of the health woes the Tigers are having. Zimmerman going on the DL with recurring neck problems, so they will miss him in this series. Cameron Mabin didn't play last night. He's been dealing with an injury, and he's been a huge factor for what Detroit has done. Started the season late due to injury with the Tigers, but he made up for lost time quickly in 63 games this year. Maben hitting 325, has knocked his stolen 13 bags, and he's already scored over 40 runs. So he's been a big factor in the outfield for Detroit. Nick Castellanos at third base has been a big surprise this year. He is creeping up on 20 home runs as 18 of them, betting 286 with 23 doubles, still free swinging, but driving the ball. But he's on the DL. So a couple of big pieces to the Tigers' offense on the DL, a big starter on the DL as well. So Daniel Norris will take over on the mound for the Tigers. Overall, 1-0 with a 4.85 ERA for Detroit. Another lefty that the Mariners will face. Norris has not actually pitched in the big leagues since Cleveland, July 4th, just pitched two innings in that one, three hits and two runs. He did pitch against the Mariners earlier this year. It was a 5-4 Tigers win. It was June 23rd. He went five, gave up six hits, three runs. All three were solo home runs, struck out five in the ball game. Mariners try and take the series tonight against the, uh, the Tigers and try and crawl that much closer against Detroit. So big game from Safeco Field tonight. Hopefully we'll see you there. 7-10 first pitch. Now, fun conversations coming up. First, we'll talk to the president of the Baseball Hall of Fame. Here it is. Well, this is an absolute treat. Inside the visitors dugout here at Safeco Field, joined by Jeff Idelson, the president of the Baseball Hall of Fame. Jeff, welcome to Seattle. When's the last time you were at Safeco Field? Uh, I was here a few years ago. Uh, 2012, I came out to see Ichiro play a little bit just before he went to the Yankees. 
Well, you come here today with some more hardware in hand. You've got the plaque, Griffey's plaque. Uh, what has this experience been like so far with you, with Junior? Uh, with Junior for the last eight months has been great. I mean, this is a guy that uh, I overlap career-wise. I was uh, on the PR side with the Yankees when he was breaking in with Seattle and have a lot of great memories of watching him play. I was at Yankee Stadium when he had his first home run takeaway of Jesse Barfield, so it's good to connect with him on that. And when you think about guys who are going into the Hall of Fame, you think about guys with numbers, but also guys with great character and integrity, and Ken fits that to a T. You travel around the country, you visit ballparks, you talk to people. What does Ken Griffey Jr. mean to baseball? Well, he means a great deal, and if you take a look at his, at his plaque, we, we explain that not only was he a great player, but this is a guy that had the ever-present smile, that he, re he, he made baseball fun again, uh, and really engaged the fans. And I think that's a big reason we had such a huge turnout at induction, is the guys that really embrace the fans, and he and Mike Piazza did that to a T, they come back to say thank you. And it's no surprise we had well over 50,000 people in our little town of 1800 to, to say thank you to Ken and to Mike for a job well done. Let's talk about Junior's speech a little bit. Uh, Rick Riz timed it. It was about 24 seconds before Junior began to shed a tear or break down emotionally a little bit. What was it that stood out to you the most about Junior's speech? Well, you know, I think I think our PR chief, John Shestakofsky, said it perfectly when he said, there is no crying in baseball except on induction day. <laughs> very, very, very well stated. But I think uh, the enormity, enormity of it all really hit him. Uh, and the fact that, that with both guys is it was evident that family was so important to them. And when they both started talking about families, when they got emotional, and both guys credited both their parents for the success that they had, and uh, I think that rang true all the way through in uh, in Junior's speech. What goes through your mind when you're watching Ken Griffey Jr.'s speech? All the Hall of Famers behind him, all the history. What do you think about when you watch that moment unfold? It's it's unusual because I, you know I have a pretty good view of it because I'm right there and, and and I've been there long enough to know what it means and. It's, it's, it's amazing how every year it's the same where guys come in and say, oh, I'm not going to get emotional and, oh, I can do this in my sleep. But then when you stand in front of 50,000 people and behind you are 50 other or 48 other this year of the living legends of the game, you start to realize your career is over. And a lot, for a lot of guys, that's when it really hits. The knees start to buckle a little bit. Uh, you know, I had that experience with Randy last year, with Frank Thomas, all the way back to Nolan Ryan and guys. And... Um, uh, the enormity of it all really rings true, and, and, and you saw it with Ken and with Mike both uh, on the 24th. We're talking with Jeff Idelson, the president of the Baseball Hall of Fame. Jeff, it was not a question as to whether or not Junior would get into the Hall of Fame, but simply by what percentage he would get into the Hall of Fame, the highest percentage of votes in the history of the Hall. What was that phone call like to Ken Griffey Jr., not only to tell him, of course, he was in, but to tell him the historic event that just had taken place? Well, our chairman uh, actually makes the call, and she, uh, she she thought it went really, really well. He was incredibly excited. I'm, meanwhile, giving the uh, the news on TV on the MLB Network. So about five minutes before I go on the air, I called Tom Seaver, who I've known 30 years, and I said, look, I hate to tell you this, but your all-time voting percentage record is about to be broken. And he said, well, who, you know, how did that happen? Who broke it? And I said, Ken Griffey Jr. broke it. And he said, you know what? Watching that kid run around our clubhouse as a little a little kid in Cincinnati playing with his dad, I could tell that kid had Hall of Famer written all over him at a young age. And if anybody was going to break my record, I'm happy it's Ken Griffey Jr. You have such an incredible job. What's your favorite part of what you do? Favorite part of what I do is getting to go to work every day because I, I'm, I'm very lucky to work with the most talented staff in baseball and, and bring memories back to life for people who want to come to Cooperstown and 
and relive everything that's been good in, in good in their world. And um, uh, whether it's working with the Hall of Famers, being with our staff, seeing visitors in the museum, being out on the road, it's un, it's uncanny how everybody has a positive feeling about the Baseball Hall of Fame and what it means to them. And, and it's it's an honor to get to have the opportunity to work for them this time in my life. Gary and I have had some spirited debates as to how the plaque traveled to Seattle from Cooperstown. We were wondering, did it get its own seat on the plane? Was this bubble wrapped and put in a carry-on stored overhead? Solve the mystery for us. How did Griffey's plaque, along with you, come here to Seattle? Well, you know, a little mystery is not a bad thing when you're traveling with something that's one of a kind. So. I'd rather leave the intrigue uh, out there if I can, but uh, needless to say, no, it, it, it never leaves your side. It's, uh, there is only one of them. I mean, if it, if it disappears or breaks, it's not like there's another that can be made. So uh, that, there's a lot of responsibility that goes with that. And if the plaque wasn't going back to Cooperstown, neither was I. So that explains the handcuff around your wrist and <laughs> the high security, the bulletproof vest all around us, I suppose. All right, so we'll, we'll accept a little mystery. That's fair enough. Ichiro, just a couple hits away from 3,000. He has meant so much to Seattle, obviously, spending the bulk of his career here. And now he has a special connection to the Hall of Fame. He does. Uh, this is a guy who really, really loves history. And, uh, you know, after his rookie year, he came up to Cooperstown, and uh, I think it was a lot more spiritual than he ever really thought it would be. He ended up winning Rookie of the Year in my office and kept that quiet for a number of years. And then he put that out there. And it seemed then like after every record he broke, he came up. So in 04, he came up after he broke George Sisler's single season hit mark. Came up again when he passed Wee Willie Keeler for the consecutive 200 hit seasons. He's been there six times in total now. And there's nobody who appreciates the game's history more than he does. Right now, as a 42-year-old player, He's become the ultimate teacher in Miami. He's still going chugging along, but he knows he's got to tutor the younger kids. But in Cooperstown, he's the ultimate student. That is such a perfect way to describe Cooperstown, New York, and the Hall of Fame as spiritual. It, it really, it's like one of the greatest experiences. It is the greatest experience that a baseball fan can have. Can you remember your first time going to the Hall of Fame and what that meant to you? Of course, now, fast forward, you're the president. But it is really something that, especially that first time into Cooperstown, it is baseball heaven times 100. No, I remember it well because it wasn't until later in life. Uh, when you grow up in New England, as I did, you tend to go north and south. You either go to the mountains or you go to the beach. So coming west uh, was, was after uh, long after I got out of college, but I remember immediately just being mes mesmerized by how deep the history was and how passionate the staff was to share that history and realizing that uh, you know a lot of my life could be explained through baseball and that's what we see every day with the 300,000 plus to come there the 17 million almost to have been there since we opened in 1939. How much enjoyment do you get seeing people walk in for the first time and looks on their face as they wander around and take it all in? Oh, it's, it's, it's unbelievable how special a feeling that is because what, what happens is you get people on the phone and they they don't know what to expect. They think we're a gallery of plaques, and when they come to Cooperstown, they realize we're, you know, really three entities under one roof, a museum and a library that chronicles the game's entire history, an education center where we bring in uh, we bring in kids and explain to them how baseball and American culture have grown up hand-in-hand, hand, and we're the Hall of Fame. And fans that come to, ba come to the Baseball Hall of Fame come there expecting to see the past, and invariably what they find is their own past. Somewhere there's somebody listening asking the question, how in the world do you get the job as president of the Baseball Hall of Fame? Can you answer that question? I think they ran out of bodies. It was one of those deals. Uh, I've been there a long time and, uh, you know, just fortunate enough to, again, to be a part of a great staff there. And um, uh, none of us take the responsibility lightly. We know the care we're the caretakers of the game today, and we all care about it deeply. And 
just an incredible honor to be a part of it. It was a great honor to bring Ken Griffey's plaque to Seattle for those that can't make it to Cooperstown that didn't get to experience induction. And uh, this is a great baseball town, and uh, I, I expect there will be more Hall of Famers from Seattle in the future. Can you give us a cliff notes of a roadmap from you out of college to you as president of the Hall of Fame, the path that you weaved to get there? Yeah, uh, I, went to, I went to Connecticut College in New London, Connecticut, majored in international economics, didn't want to know what I wanted to do in my life. Five days later, I'm starting, starting with the Boston Red Sox as an intern in their PR department. Uh, spent three years in Boston uh, working in PR, marketing, producing their radio broadcast for a couple of years, Ken Coleman and Joe Castiglione. From there, uh, I went to the team that I grew up despising, the New York Yankees. <laughs> as, their assist, as their assistant PR director, started and then became their head guy at 24. Wow. Realized that it was baseball I loved, uh, more so it wasn't just the Red Sox. A year with the World Cup when it came to this country in the last 22 in Cooperstown. Jeff, this has been an absolute treat. Thank you so much for the time, and welcome to Safeco Field in Seattle. Always a pleasure to be here. Glad to be here. Can't wait to come back. And now Aaron Goldsmith with umpire Jim Joyce. Well, Jim, here we sit inside the umpire's clubhouse at Safeco Field, and we are less than half an hour away from Ken Griffey Jr. being honored on the field here at Safeco, having his number 24 retired for the Mariners. And you and Ken, it sounds like, go back a long, long way. You really both began your major league careers at the same time. Can you take us back your your earliest thoughts of working alongside Ken Griffey Jr.? Well, Aaron, you know, 100 years ago when we started this, uh, you always knew that there was going to be something special about him. It was always something special by the way he carried himself and stuff like that. That smile, uh, he didn't adapt the turnaround of the hat for a couple more years after that, I think. I'm not real sure about that one. But there was always something you knew was going to be special about him. And Junior probably is one of the – he's definitely within – if he's not the top – athlete I ever saw play the game of baseball he's in the top two you obviously saw him interact with his teammates you saw him interact with the opposition how was he interacting with the umpires well this is a kind of a funny story because junior stopped in the room yesterday and just before he went out was introduced and so as we were walking out I had a comment for him and I'll just take it back just a little ways our first year our rookie years was technically my rookie year, but I had been going up and down in the big leagues for a couple years. It was Junior's first year, and Junior was at the plate one night, and he took three pitches right down the middle, and I had to ring him up for strike three, and he didn't like it, and he turned and said something that you usually are not allowed to say to an umpire, and he was quickly ejected from the game. And so when we walked out last night for all these years, He's always been saying something about that. And <laughs> when I would say, okay, you know, you know that pitch was right there, and Junior would always say one thing. So we're walking out last night with my partners. I had just told them the story. Five minutes before that, Junior walks in, we shake hands and everything. And as we're walking out the door to do a game last night, I turned around and I said, okay, we're going to settle this right now. And he didn't miss a beat. And he says, you baited me. <laughs> Just like that. And he remembers it a lot different than I do. That, that must be always the case, though, between players and umpires, correct? Oh, I'm sure. You know, I'm sure that's what they think. And I'm, I know that's what we think. But that is actually, that was the first time that uh, Junior had been ejected from a game. And I think, I think he went another 12 years without being ejected. And, you know, it doesn't say anything about, uh, the way he turned out or anything like that but he always played the game the right way 
and he always had a special relationship with my daughter because um, me being from Portland, um, in the when I was in the American League, we got to come here quite a bit. And I always brought my family up, and he always, uh, I'm not going to say made a point of it, but if we were walking down the tunnel, uh, you know, coming into the locker room, he always stopped and said hi to my, my family. He was always very gracious to my family, which I'm sure he is to everybody's. And uh, my daughter fell in love with him, actually. And he did promise to take my daughter to the prom, but that didn't really, that didn't take place. And it sounds like there's a story not only concerning the Hall of Fame, your daughter and Ken Griffey Jr., but you as well. You found a way to put a phone call into Ken and wish him congratulations on the Hall. Is that correct? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Um, uh, I talked to our clubhouse um, manager here, uh, Matt Walcott, and I asked him, I said, I know this is kind of crazy, but I want to congratulate Junior because he's the first player that I actually have had his entire career. I'm talking about since day one and happened to be induct inducted to the Hall of Fame. And I think that's pretty special. And so uh, Matt actually sent me uh, Junior's agent's email, and we corresponded that way. And it was really nothing more than congratulations because, you know, that's a pretty big deal. I mean, obviously we're here for the retirement of his number and stuff, but, you know, for me it's kind of a big deal too because it's, it's, it's the first player that I can literally say since day one that I've been doing this game. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame, and I was here for every day that he was in the big leagues. And it sounds like this is a pretty big deal for your daughter then as well, that Junior's in the Hall of Fame. Well, she's wearing a, uh, a game-worn jersey up in the uh, up in, up in right behind home plate, and she's going to be in tears. I'll tell you that right now because she, when she ever played basketball, softball, or whatever she did, it was number 24, and she fought to get it. And he graciously one night gave her a game-worn jersey. And it was the 20th, it was Mariners' 20th year, and it was also the Jackie Robinson uh, anniversary year. And she has it on right now. Jim, when you're umpiring, no matter where you're working that night, whether it be on one of the bases or behind home plate, are you actually allowed or allow yourself to be able to take in how great these players are? In other words, when you were umpiring, how easy was it for you to tell that you were watching what was going to turn out to be one of the all-time greats in the game? Uh, it, I think we all pay attention to that, to be honest with you. And we're, we're just not uh, participants in the game, but we're, we're students of the game. We're fans of the game, of all teams and stuff like that. And we have, the, we have the privilege of every single day watching these guys play. And when you see a, a guy like Junior, a kid like Junior, starts out at the age of 19, and you get to see him progress every year, um, it, it, it really is something special. And, yeah, we do pay attention to that. And there's some guys out there right now that are, that are doing the same thing. I won't see the end of their careers, but <laughs> there are some guys out there right now that are, that are on the same track. 1994, one of the many All-Star years for Ken Griffey Jr. That was your first year umpiring an All-Star game. Any memories of that All-Star game, your first and junior? I don't remember. Uh, I remember the ending of the All-Star game. It was a, a close play at the plate. I don't remember a thing about junior in the during the game or anything like that. I remember after the game, uh, the after-game party, um, all the players and uh, their you know their families and stuff all gathered in the hotel ballroom and stuff. And Junior actually walked in, and he was actually being I, I, he, he was being shy is the best way to put it. He kind of stayed low profile, and he just kind of drifted off to the uh, to a side and just kind of sat there. And you know people were coming up to him and talking and stuff. But 
it, it was a it was a social event. It wasn't a you know it wasn't being on the field where he's so exuberant and everything like that. The social event he was actually my recollection of of him being rather shy. You were an umpire here in Seattle for the Midsummer Classic in 2001. It's one of the grand events in Mariners history, especially since the start of the new ballpark. What are your memories of the Midsummer Classic back in 01? It was a top draw event. Uh, Seattle put on a great show. The Mariners put on a great show. Uh, it was, it, it, I mean, the new ballpark and everything like that. It was really, I've been lucky enough to do three All-Star games and uh, by far with me being so close to home and having my family and everybody here, by far it's one of the uh, classic events in my, in my career. Jim, this has been an absolute treat. You're so gracious with your time. You got to get out of the field. His number is going to be retired pretty soon. Thank you so much. This has really been fun. Aaron, it's my pleasure. And once again, I, from our crew, congratulations to Junior. I mean, that's uh, it's a great event, and it's it's more than well deserved. The 2-1 pitch swung on, ground ball back up the middle. That's into center field, and Ichiro is on the board with his first major league hit. A sharply stroked shot right back up the middle. Off Miguel to out of the shortstop and on into center field. So Ichiro receives a standing ovation. You can see the Japanese flags waving all over the place down the right field line. Something that uh, I'm sure he has dreamed about comes to fruition here in his first major league game. He picks up his first major league hit. A sharply hit ground ball right back up the middle. See you later!